Man, uh, I had no idea growing up, really, really how much I should just have said that. So uh, even though my mom and dad are not here today, I know that they'll be watching online sometimes. So mom and dad, I'm sorry <laughs> for everything. Uh, wow, kids, man, we love you. We love you so much, but you're, you're wearing us out. Um, really, as, as parents, we're just, we're just worn out, most of us. And uh, so, really, I, I want to just start today by, by saying help. We all need help. Uh, because if you're a parent, your kids are probably wearing you out too. And uh, Pastor Danny, thank you so much for uh, just allowing me to, asking me to speak today and to preach on this topic. And uh, let's just start with, uh, with a word of prayer. God, thank you so much that, uh, that there are no perfect parents in this room. God, there are no perfect kids in this room, but we have a perfect Father that we can look to, that we can look to for help. And so God, I pray that today as we, as we work through this time together, that uh, you would show us, teach us from your word, that you would give us practical ways that we can, that we can help our kids, that we can help ourselves be, be parents that, that glorify and honor you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Not too long ago, I asked uh, a group of parents some questions about, uh, about parenthood, about parenting. And I got a lot of different answers, and then I got some answers that were very, very similar, and that got me to thinking. What would it sound like if uh, like an 80s hair band took a song, a popular 80s hair band song, you know, 35, 40 years later with not as much hair, maybe a beard, maybe they'd let themselves go a little bit, and then they put that song to parents. What would it sound like? And so this is, this is kind of what I came up with. So you guys can just, just smile and try to play along. Chores are done, don't be so late. 
we go. Just clean your room and say you're sorry to your sister. No more fighting today. Did you wear deodorant? Can't you hit the toilet? Go brush your teeth. And please just put your clothes away. It's like it's never over. And yesterday's just a memory. So find your shoes and wash your face Don't you sass your mother You're gonna make us late All this stuff that parents say It'll soon be over Yesterday's just a memory Soon they're grown and older You wish they'd call you on their cell phone. So parenting, it's hard. I mean, you guys have said at least one of those things already today to your kids. Yeah. Us too. One of my favorite philosophers, Yogi Berra, said this. It's tough to make predictions, especially about the future. <laughs> and parents, the world that we live in is changing so rapidly that we have no idea which part, if any, of our wisdom will be of any use to them in their future. Are we succeeding as parents? Are we lagging behind? How in the world would we even know? People used to ask me whenever I was doing children's ministry, how's, how's kids' ministry going? I'd say, I'm not sure. Ask me in 20 years. And that's kind of how it's like parenting. Like, how are you doing as a parent? No idea. Uh, ask me in 20 years. Now the new keeping up with the Joneses isn't measured by the size of our houses or the kind of cars that we drive as much as are we better parents than those other parents? Only now, because of social media, we're also able to see into the lives of everyone else that we've ever known, ever. And we see their best moments, and we think that ours fall horribly short. It's frustrating. John Acuff said that we once used social media to document moments that we experienced, and now we use it to create moments just to document them. It has changed. The world has changed. Oh, did you see the Fergusons? Yeah, did you see what they got their kid for their birthday? A new car. Man, we could never do that. We're failures as parents. Oh, did you see the Ritter's kid? Got accepted to NASA as an eighth grader? I, man, we'll be feeling good if our kid quits picking his nose by the time he's in the eighth grade. Ah, uh, we're horrible parents. Or did you see what the Doyle family did over spring break? Man, looked awesome. I had to work. I'm the worst parent ever. Have you guys ever felt those kind of feelings? We compare each other. I understand that being a kid isn't easy, but being a parent is nearly impossible. In 1946, Dr. Benjamin Spock published the book, The Common Sense Book of Baby and Child Care, which has since sold over 50 million copies. And at the time, it was the only 
widely accepted book on parenting, on raising a child. But today, we have thousands of books and blogs and articles and posts to let us know if we're doing it right or wrong or both. Do we sleep the baby on the back? Do we sleep the baby on the belly? If you sleep on the baby, on the, on the, don't sleep on the baby. Okay, if you do that, it's just, just wrong, okay? If I sleep the baby on the back, they cry all night. If they sleep the baby on the belly, then they're happy. But they said, don't sleep the baby on the belly, sleep the baby on the it's just, What do we do? What do we do? Today, I hope to offer you some help in parenting, not just for little kids, but I hope to offer every parent, grandparent, if you've got kids, want kids, trying to have kids, I hope that you come away with today with some help. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the, the word help and we're just going to break it down, H-E-L and P. So the bulk of everything that we're going to talk about is going to come in those first two letters, H and E. So let's go ahead and jump in. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 gives us a great, great piece of advice for parents. It says this, direct your children onto the right path, and when they, are all not, when they are older, they will not leave it. Now, the first thing we need to do is, is determine the difference between a, a, a promise and a principle. And the book of Proverbs is full of principles. A promise says, this will happen. A principle says, under, under the similar circumstances, generally, this is the outcome that you can expect. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And what this is, is a principle, okay? So as a parent, how do I direct my kids to keep them on the right path even when they're wearing me out? So let's start with our first letter, H. Way that you, the way that you direct your kid on the right path is you take them to church and you drop them off in the children's ministry and let them take care of their spiritual needs, right? No. Not at all. As a matter of fact, H is for home, all right? And it all starts with your house. You want to have a house of hope. So if you're taking notes today, write that down, house of hope. Fill your house with hope. I remember whenever I was a kid, turning on the TV almost every day and turning the knob to one of the four channels that we got, and there would be a kind, gray-haired, older gentleman that would come into his front door and take off his cardigan sweater and hang it up and sit down and change his shoes. And as he went through this routine, he would speak words of hope to millions of kids that were watching the same television show all across the nation. And then in 1997, Fred Rogers was given the Lifetime Achievement Emmy for his show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And in a room full of the biggest stars in the world, this Presbyterian minister did what he had done, I assume, his whole life. He spoke words of thanks and hope. I want to read you his short acceptance speech, and I want you to play like you're the crowd. Mr. Rogers says, thank you, thank you. Oh, it's a beautiful night in this neighborhood. So many people have helped me to come here to this night. Some of you are here. Some of you are far away. And some of you are even in heaven. All of us have special ones who have loved us into being. And would you take along with me 10 seconds to think of the people who have helped you become who you are, of those who have cared about you and wanted what's best for your life. 10 seconds of silence. I'll watch the time. 
And as those seconds started, there was laughter and like, is he serious? And a little bit of a bustle. And then about the third second, there was silence. And there's a camera panned around. You begin to see tears in eyes. You begin to see as they, people remembered, they thought about those people. He said, whomever you've been thinking about, how pleased they must be to know the difference that you feel they've made in your life. Fred Rogers started Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood because he wanted kids from hard places to know that there was somebody out there that loved them, that believed in them, that had hope for them. I wonder how many of you, as we sat there in that 10 seconds of silence, you thought of a parent or a grandparent, a family member. I wonder how many of the kids that are here today thought of you as a parent. I hope, I hope it's you. When I was a kid, I had hopes of graduating. That was the first one, knock that out. And then uh, I had hopes of playing ball, but that didn't pan out too well. I had hopes that I would find a date and then I had really high hopes that I would be able to find a wife. And once all that happened, I had hopes of having a kid. And then there was the question of, will we be able to, will we be able to have kids? And I knew that was going to be something that we, we might or might not be able to do. And I remember one time, Sarah and I were, were, we were talking about it. All right, now it's time to start, start trying. And so I wanted her to, to know that, that it was okay. Whatever happened, it was okay. And I said, you know what? If, if something happens with, with one of us and, and just biologically, physically, we can't have kids, I want you to know that I'll be fine with just adopting our family. And if that's how God chooses to build us, that's fine. Because I wanted her to know that it was okay. And then we had kids and, you know, we were one of those people that just thought about it, timed it, all right, we'll say we were born in June, May, June, okay, but nine months, okay, pregnant. <laughs> and then I wondered what kind of house would my house be? Would it be healthy, happy, full of hope? Hope is knowing someone loves you and believes in you. So hope is knowing that you're wanted. Some of you grew up in a house that there wasn't much hope. Some of you grew up in a house that was full and overflowing with hope. Parents, let me assure you today that the kids that live in your house have an enemy who will whisper daily in their ears. And he will try to steal, kill, and destroy their hope. And if you listen closely, the voice that you hear that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy your hope as a parent is the same voice. We have an enemy, and, and, and his plans are to kill, steal, and destroy. But parents, God has a different plan in mind. He has a different plan in mind. And kids need hope, and parents, we need to tell them. We need to tell them that there's hope. Kids need hope from every walk of life, and there are a lot of kids that need extra hope. I have a friend who works in a group home for kids without parents, 
and he posted a couple of weeks ago, and this is what he said. I just found out that we have a 12-year-old girl. whose bedtime prayer every night for the, recently has been. And God, I know that the staff here has Christian friends. Can you send some to adopt me? Have you ever stopped to think that you could be the answer to someone's prayer? That your family could answer a kid's prayer. There are thousands of kids out there that would love to have some worn out parents. Some parents that are at the end of their rope that can't hardly manage their own self. Parents, real hope is this, is teaching your kids that God made them in his image and that they belong to him. Their value and importance is based on the maker of them, not on their abilities or it's based on God, and that he loves them and has big dreams for them, and that sin killed our ability to live those dreams out, and we couldn't do anything about it, but God stepped into the scene, and he loved us so much that he gave his only son to die on a cross that we will celebrate this week, this Palm Sunday that we kick off the Easter week celebration that we look up to and we remember that tragedy on the cross that was Good Friday that I, as a kid, I, under, I didn't understand why would we call that Good Friday when it was so bad until I understood why it was so good. Because without that, I would be doomed to eternal separation from a God who made me and loves me because I couldn't take care of it myself. But Jesus did. He threw the smack down on death, hell in the grave, and he rose to life on the third day. That's hope. That when we give our lives to Jesus and ask him to forgive our sins that he does, that he loves us, he accepts us, he forgives us, he adopts us into his family, into his house. That he has saved us from the penalty of sin. That he is saving us from the power of sin in our life. And that one day he will save us from the very presence of sin for all of eternity. And that we, each one of us, are made in the image of God, of the creator and that we have not just the responsibility, but the awesome privilege of living for him. Parents who build the house of hope for their children will help direct their children onto that path. One of the questions that I would get asked a lot by parents is how, about salvation. Like, when, how do I know when my kid's ready? They're, they're asking some questions and, you know, they heard something. And, and, and kids, you got to understand, they want to please they want to do what's right, and they always, I mean, it's a, it's a natural progression of we'll choose the better. You want a bag of, of rocks or a, a bag of toys? Well, a bag of toys. Um, and so, you know, the kids, young, it's, parents are always, like, when do I know? And whenever we were raising, you know, whenever our girls were young, so, all right, when do we know? They've been asking a lot of questions, and, and we, we were very conservative in our approach. We, we took it more like a crock pot than a microwave. I want to make sure that they understood, that they knew what salvation was, that they, that they walked freely to Jesus without us trying to get them there as quick as we could. That it's his salvation anyway. It's not mine. And, and gosh, both of our girls, they came to Christ. And we're so grateful that they have. Oh, man. 
directing your children on the right path, it doesn't guarantee that they won't leave it someday. But it does create an environment that's more conducive to them staying on the right path. Like if I want a salted caramel frappuccino, my chances are vastly better in a better environment. Like if I order it in Starbucks rather than in Kentucky Fried Chicken. Environment plays a big role. So create that environment in your home, a house of hope. To direct your kids on the right path, they also need to see that you walk on the right path. Do as I say and not as I do is a horrible parenting model. Let's jump to our E, H-E. E, we're going to stand for effort. Effort and expectations. You can write both of those down. This is a team effort. You know, it's a, it's a parents and kids. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 starts like this. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have long life on the earth. What exactly does that mean? I don't know exactly, but it sounds pretty good. Kids, this is, this is just for you. So if you're a kid, if you're like senior in high school and, and under, and this is your part right here, and not just for right now, but, but continued, but especially for right now. Ephesians 6 is different than Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22's principle, Ephesians 6 right here, we have a promise. It's an if-then promise. If you do this, then you will get this. If you want to save 15% on car insurance, you switch to Geico. That's what you do. <laughs> if, you wanna, if, you want to, uh, if you want things to go well with you, then honor your father and mother. It's what you do. These are hard, though, for kids because we don't necessarily always know if the if part will be worth the then part. Like, if I do, I don't know, that, that if, there's a pretty big sacrifice on my part for that. So I'm gonna help you out, kids, you ready? I'm gonna give you three words that are gonna, I mean, they're gonna unlock blessings like you've never seen. Three words. So if you got a pencil, you're gonna wanna write them down. Parents, you may wanna write these down for your kids, uh, you know, at the time that they come older. Um, these are three words that if used properly and regularly will, I mean, unlock greater blessings than you ever knew were available. Are you ready, ready for them? No? Okay, well, let's go on then. Anybody ready? All right, here we go. First word, yes. Y-E-S. Second word, sir. Third word, ma'am. Now, when one word, word number one, is used with word number two in conjunction, you put those things together if you're talking to your father, and then if you'll take word number one and word number three when you're talking to your mother and put those together, I'm telling you what, it will change your life. Try it this week. I'm serious. You try it this week. Do it for seven days straight. Every time your parent asks you to do something for them or they ask you a question, respond with, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And then heartily, heartily jump on whatever it was that they asked you to do. You'll have the best week you've had in a long time. Trust me. Now, I mean, do you honestly think that by making your parents' life miserable with your attitude and... What? What? You rode a broom? 
don't want to clean your room, right? You have to understand how to, how to speak teenagers sometimes. <sighs> You'll have to work a little bit. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take time. It's going to take, take some, some doing, take some effort, but you'll get the blessing of it. And if you try it, I promise you this, you'll thank me later. And parents and grandparents, what do you say right there? That's right. Now for the parents part, in verse four, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. The word provoke there means to irritate to frustrate, to agitate, to stir up. I heard about a little girl who said, mom, what's it like to be a mom? And so the mom interrupted her every 10 seconds until she started crying. <clears throat> right? Some of you guys have that daughter too. Yeah. Man, it's it, all the time, right? But as parents, sometimes it's just like we've had enough and, and we... We provoke our kids. Do, you, do your kids feel like you're a good coach or a good critic? Let me, let me flesh out the difference. A good critic says, let me tell you what you did wrong. But a good coach says, let me show you how to succeed. I hope I stir my kids up less and build them up more. Have you ever had one of those opportunities where your, your kid asked you a question and all of a sudden everything became crystal clear? We started t-ball season this year and uh, Cooper is five. He will be, uh, he'll be six in June. But he is basically the youngest kid on his t-ball team of which he's just played one go round and it was pretty much like herding chickens. And now he's gone onto a team that, that these kids, have you ever seen a t-ball team that got three outs in a row? Okay, that's the team that he's playing for, all right? So he's, he's a little bit behind the game. First practice we show up, man, they've got, they've got kids in groups and they're drilling them out. And one of the drills is you hit the ball off the tee, you run to first base and you make the turn. So Cooper gets up, he hits the ball off the tee, he runs to first base and into right field. <clears throat> no, 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 no. Hit the ball, Cooper, make the turn. Hits the ball, runs to first base and stops. Coop, you've got to make the turn, bub. Hits the ball, runs to first base, stops again. Coop, you've got to make the turn. So on the way home, we're talking. I was like, Cooper, whenever you're doing that drill, the, the drill is you want to hit the ball, you want to hit first base, and then you want to make the turn. He says, Dad, what's make the turn mean? He didn't have any idea what we were talking about. How many times I wondered, uh, have I like frustrated one of my kids because they didn't have any idea what I was talking about. So I've got a few things here that can help, hopefully, with, with, the, with your kids. So you may want to just jot a few of these down. Number one is this, be clear with instructions. Your kid doesn't have the same vocabulary or history that you do. So be clear with instructions. Don't assume that, you, that they know what you mean. Be on the same page as parents. A lot of times there's the, like this good cop, bad cop scenario that parents work. That's, that's, not, that's not good for your kids. Be on the same page. Well, my parenting style and her parenting style are different. Well, guess what? So is pretty much everyone else's in the world. So what do you got to do to fix that? Well, you, you got to know that I'm, sometimes it's, it's just okay. You know, whatever my parenting style, it's, 
I've never, I've never successfully raised a child, so I don't know if that'll work. And every kid's different too. Some respond to this, some respond to that. So meet in the middle as parents. Find some common ground where you can parent together on the same page, go in the same direction. Here's another one. Make the right thing to do the easy thing to do. Set your kids up for an easy win. If you've got a difficult child, give them as many opportunities to win as you can. One of the things that we have to do a lot is, you know, we get to the end of supper time and Cooper's got something on his plate. He's like, hey, Dad, can, can I be done? I'll look over and like yesterday morning, it was, it was eggs. There's a pile of eggs there. I was like, Coop, I need you to eat the rest of those eggs, buddy. And I don't want them. Well, I know right there, I mean, he's in that mode. So now it's either going, I'm going to go headbutt, headbutt. <clears throat> remember, nobody wins with a headbutt. As a parent, it just doesn't work out well. So, so how do I get Cooper motivated to eat his eggs? I want some coffee milk, Dad. Now, coffee milk is a concoction that uh, Sarah's mother, who is, who is here, her mother and dad are here with us today, and I'm so glad that they are. Her mother has this invention called coffee milk, and what it is is about this much coffee, about this much sugar, and about this much milk. <laughs> Cooper loves it. Dad, I want some coffee milk. You've got to learn how to, how, to, how to negotiate stuff. Without your, I mean, let them win. You win, they win. He wants some coffee milk. I want him to eat his eggs. All right, Cooper, I'm going to finish eating this orange, and then I'm going to go make a cup of coffee milk. And if those eggs are, are done, if you've eaten all of those eggs, by the time I get that coffee milk done, you can drink it. But if you don't have your eggs finished, I'm going to drink it. Well, he was done eating eggs before I was done peeling the orange. <laughs> you know, how many bites do I have to have, Dad? Here's my new answer. 50. I only, I only want him to eat like four or five more, right? But if I start at four or five, I'm going to end up at two or three. If I start at 50, he's liable to say, how about six? <laughs> okay, you won. <laughs> Learn to negotiate these things. <laughs> Be consistent. Human beings learn through the art of repetition. Over and over and over. And by the time they're sick of hearing you say it, they're probably started to lock in on it. Here's some things that, that kids need in consistency. They need consistent rules. They need consistent boundaries. They need consistent expectations. Here's something else that a kid needs. They need to, they need to expect consistently that they're going to attend church. You know why? Because there's an old saying that says, as, as the leader does in moderation, the followers do in excess. If you want your kids to follow Jesus and to, to attend church, just as they grow up, lead them with the expectation that we go to church to worship the great God of the resurrection, of life. Love it. Go there, not occasionally, regularly. Make work fun if you can. Make it a competition. Let's see how fast we can get this living room straight. You ready? All right, here we go. Let's set the timer on the microwave. We do all kinds of stuff at our house to make it a competition, try to beat it. Just fires them up and motivates them. Start soon. You know, concrete is only wet for a little while. And statistics show that by the time a kid turns 12 years old, that their thoughts and beliefs of morality, of right and wrong, of marriage, about God, all those things are pretty much firmed up in their concrete. 
Teach your kids while they're young. Start soon. Uh, when it comes to discipline, I learned this training horses. And it works exceptionally well with kids. Be as gentle as possible, but as firm as necessary. You know, don't start on the, on the high end of the spectrum. You've got nowhere else to go. Um, start as gentle as possible, but progress as firm as necessary when you, when you need a discipline. Communicate the purpose. If they understand purpose, they're going to progress much faster if they know the why behind the what. And this is my, probably the best one. Is aim for progression, not perfection. Your kids aren't going to be perfect, and that's okay. Because they don't have a perfect parent, and that's okay. But look to progress. Encourage progression. What really frustrates me about my kids is when they get frustrated because I got frustrated. Or when I fail to prepare them for success, or when I realize that my expectations of them as a parent, weren't realistic. Let's make the turn mean. That's on me. That's on me. Number two, uh, the second part of E, we've got several E's here. Embrace exhaustion. All right, as a parent, if you thought today was going to be about how to make your life as a parent easy, I'm, I'm sorry, but easy's a lie. Okay, there is no such thing as easy parenting. Parenting's hard. Kids are exhausting little creatures like kryptonite to Superman. I remember like the first kid, this is, this is pretty much how it happens all over, the, all over the country. The first kid, man, they have that kid, they're on time everywhere, dressed to the nines, everybody's smiling. The kid doesn't hit the nursery till they're like three because other kids' germs. They got organic snacks. This parenting is a snap. Well, of course it's a snap. You're playing two on, you're double teaming your kid. This is two on one defense. Your kid can't do anything. And by the second kid, it's like five to seven minutes late everywhere, dressed to the sixes. Dad looks tired. Mom looks a little frazzled. Might have on two different colored shoes every now and then. Started nursery at six months old because they probably need to build up some immunities anyway. You got regular snacks in the box. His parenting is a snap, but then it's a point right after. Watch it. They know the long finger of the law, right? Then by the third kid, they don't have a middle name. <laughs> Only got eight fingerprints on their birth certificate. You're never on time anywhere. They might or might not be dressed. No lie, I come home Tuesday. My girls are in the front yard playing catch with a softball and Cooper's in his underwear with a sword. You know, your kid might be carrying a sippy cup full of Dr. Pepper. You pre-registered for the nursery like six months before they were born. Mom has developed an eye twitch. Dad falls asleep wherever he sits down. You, you brought no snacks. Hopefully somebody will have something that they can borrow. And as a parent, you're about to snap, right? It's because you've gone from two-on-one to one-on-one. -on -one. Now you're playing zone. You can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them. You know what most parents need? A nap. I mean, really, that would do most of us a world of good. But as a parent, we can either choose to whine about how hard it is to parent and how tired we are. Man, we can just embrace it. Hey, I'm going to be exhausted. Come on, exhaustion, let's go. And have a, have a different kind of attitude. You've got to know your season of life. 
Right now we're in baseball season, softball season. As the parents of a ninth grade JV softball player, 12 and under softball player, and a five-year-old T-baller, we spend a lot of hours in some bleachers. By the way, that's a pretty good place to get to know people in your community who might not know about Jesus. It's a good place to make some friends. So wherever you are in your life, leverage it for the gospel. Leverage it for the good of the people that you're in contact with. But I know that this is only a season. It's got an end date. It'll come back around, but, you know, it just keeps. But I'm going into another season after that. And then there's another season after that. It's like the person who says, man, we're just coming out of a really busy season right now. Going into what? Another really busy season, right? That's life. That's life with kids. Your season of parenting may be different. You may, be, you may need help parenting a, a baby, a toddler, a preschooler, an elementary, a middle or high school student, a special needs child. You know how tough that is? A child with severe health problems or, or severe uh, emotional handicaps, s- severe special needs. It's hard. Those, those folks need help. They need love. They need support. What about a college student preparing a student to go to college? <laughs> How much money you just uh, got? $20,000, They got to get some scholarships. Come on now. You might be parenting a single adult or maybe a married adult, maybe a divorced adult. You may be parenting a grandchild. You may be parenting an addict. You may be working a double shift as a single parent. You may have a, a blended family that brings in a whole new set of needs and helps. You may be parenting a parent as they age. There's, there's not much easy about it, is there? It's work. So that next season that, that you're thinking, hey, man, it's, it's going to, man, let's just embrace exhaustion and go with it. Parenting is exhausting at any stage, at any age. Unless we learn to lean in hard on the Lord and embrace the challenges that come with it. It's never over, but very soon it'll all just be a memory. So make good memories with your kids. And then I got another E here. Expect some poop. I always wanted to preach a sermon with the word poop in it, so here it is. Whenever Emily was born, we went on our first vacation with her when she was five months old. We went to Branson, Missouri. We got done, Branson, Missouri. We're on our way home. It's about a three-hour drive or so from where we were living. And all of a sudden, it hit us. That smell coming from the back seat. And I knew it wasn't just one of those, I'm dirty diapers. It was one of those, holy Lord, what's about to happen kind of diapers. Like the coming out the side leg holes, you know, and... Like don't, you're picking them up like this, don't want to touch them. So we're in the middle of nowhere, and then we get to this, like, there's this spot where we're going to have to turn, and there's this little gas station right there. And I thought, we can pull into this little gas station. Sarah's like, I'm not taking her into a public restroom to change her diaper. She's five months old. What are you going to do? I'm going to change her in the car. Yeah. So she gets that little, that little, you know, roll that, uh, that little mat that comes in the little backpack with your kid, and it's about three sizes too small anyway. And she lays that out on the back seat of the car. She lays Emily down. She gets her little shorts off, and I've got the plastic bag, you know, with the tongs that I'm holding out like this. <laughs> got the pincher on my nose. 
and she puts the shorts in there. She takes the diaper off and then we're in the highway to the danger zone. That, you know that time? That time after you take the dirty diaper off before you get the next one on, that's the danger zone. And we were right in the middle of the highway when it happened. Like a tube of toothpaste. Projectile pooping. Sarah's like, it's on my hands. It's on the car seat. It's everywhere. I've still got the sack with the tongs. I'm, you know, it's horrible. It was everywhere. We're never going on vacation again. I remember the first time Caroline threw up when she was a baby. Emily came running and she's like, ooh, Caroline threw up and she doesn't chew her macaroni. <laughs> if you've got kids, expect some poop. Babies poop, kids poop, teenagers poop, adults poop. Poop is like God's way of saying, you're not as cool as you think you are. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 14 Verse four says this. This is country wisdom right here. Without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. If you don't want any poop in your stable, don't have any cattle. If you don't want any mess in your house, don't have any kids. But if you've got cattle, let me tell you this, the harvest is worth it. If you've got kids, let me tell you, the blessing is worth the mess. If you don't want any mess in your church, don't have any people. But people, but eternity in people's lives is worth our effort. It's worth the mess. It's worth moving out of the balcony in a couple of weeks. It's worth closing that off and getting everybody down here in community together. It's worth serving in kids' ministry. It's worth taking some time and and rocking babies in the nursery. It's, it's worth praying for the young people that sit right out here every week. It's worth slipping that family with a new baby a gift card for some diapers because you never know what's going on in their lives. It's worth introducing yourself to someone that you don't know. It's messy. You may stick your foot so far down your mouth, you don't know what happened. It's okay. It's worth it. It's worth the mess. The blessing is better. You know what I pray for this church? I pray that this church is a messy church. That there are people, that there's mess, that people come with their mess and they, they don't, we don't tell them, hey, you need to take your mess out in the outhouse and clean up and then come here. I pray that we embrace people who are far from God and say, hey, let's, let's work on this together. Come on, I'll help. I'll, I'll join in your mess. I'm excited about my church. I'm excited that every week our list of first-time guests seems to grow. I'm excited for Easter. We want a crowd of people here. We want to connect people who are far from God to the greatest message that the world has ever known. If we, if, I mean, if we really believe that, that Jesus rising from the grave after he paid the penalty for death 
on the cross so that I didn't have to go to hell and be separated from God for all of eternity? If we really think that's a great message, why don't you tell somebody this week about that? Invite them to come on Sunday. We've created an environment, hopefully, that people who would be like, oh, yeah, I don't know, might say, hey, I'll give that a shot. They might come to hear a helicopter and, and end up hearing about the greatest thing. They might come and hear help is on the way. They might take that next step in their relationship with Jesus. They might start a relationship with Jesus. We need your help. We want you to invite people to Easter. Look to make connections on Easter. Sign up to serve for Easter. Let's jump to number, number L. That's a number in today's world. Letter L, let it go. And we're, we're about to wrap up. This may be what parents need to hear most. Many of you today are carrying burdens that aren't yours and you need to let it go. I talked to about five parents last week who were so worked up about the presidential race that they were nearly sick. Let it go. It's none of your business. I mean, it, it, you vote, but you ain't got to, I mean, God turns the heart of the king. Whoever's in the White House, it doesn't matter to us. I, I mean, really, let it go. Some of you are carrying burdens of living up to what your parents expected of you. And it's been eating you your whole life. Let it go. Some of you are carrying a burden of worry. You're just all the time worried. Let it go. Take it to Jesus. Some of you are carrying a burden of grief today because you've experienced the loss of a child. You've experienced a miscarriage. You've experienced a loss of your family, a, a divorce an abusive past. And it's hard to turn that over. It's, it's hard to let it go and give it to God. I'm telling you what, it's worth it. There are really only two things in life that you can worry about. The things that you can't change and the things that you can change. You don't need to worry about the things that you can change because you can change them. So you don't have to worry about it. And you don't have to worry about the things that you can't change because you can't change it by worrying about it anyway, so you don't even have to worry about that. And here's great news. If you know the God who can change things, you don't have to worry about anything. Good news. Help is here. You may have been raised by some bad parents. But guess what? With God's help, you can say, today, I'm going to change that cycle. I'm going to change history for the rest of the future for my kids. They're going to see something different than I saw. And then we've got the last, and that's P, pray and plan. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says this, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. You need to pray for your kids as a parent every day. Plan to be successful parents. Guys, some of you, you need to plan a getaway. Just the two of you. You need to plan some alone time at home. Plan to have fun as a family. Plan to unplug from the day and the devices. Plan to recharge your physical. Plan to seize the day. And if the day seizes you, just plan to survive it. Sometimes just getting to the next day is a win. Plan to live for Jesus. Plan to recharge your spiritual. Plan to stay on his path and direct your kids on his path too.
We put our faith in a God who helps. Mm. And a church family who helps. I can't tell you the testimonies of people that I hear along the way that have said, man, we, we experienced the loss of a child, the loss of a job, the failed marriage, and our connect group came and they wrapped their arms around us and they helped us through it. Man, plug into a connect group for some help. Some of you guys might be here today and your biggest need, the thing that you need help with the most is you need, you need to know Jesus as your Savior. You need to give your life to Him. Some of you might be trying to start a family and you can't for whatever reason. You need help carrying that burden. Some of you might need help with a rebellious child, with a child who has anger issues. Some of you might need help reconciling with a parent that wasn't a model parent. Some of you might need help because you've lost your joy in life. You might need help because you're off the right path and you need desperately to get back on it. You might need help just because you're just worn out. You're worn out. I've got good news for you. We have a God who loves to help. He loves to take you where you are. Just like Derek gave his testimony last week before he was baptized, we were talking. He said, he, I, when I got saved, God took me from where I was to where I wanted to be. That's what God offers us today. Not that it'll be easy. Not that it won't be work. But it's possible with God's help. Well, I want to go ahead and ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And as our musicians come prepare for the invitation time, I'm just going to ask, as, as you've got your heads bowed and eyes closed, let's do this. Whatever you need help with today. When the song starts, there's going to be some pastors that are up here that would love to pray with you to help you. You may just want to come and spend some time with the Lord at this altar. You're more than welcome to do that. What do you need help with today? And give it to the one who can help. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you love us, that you are the perfect parent, the perfect father. You're the only one who can really provide help. So God, whatever the needs are in our parents today who are here, whether they're young parents, whether they're old parents, whether they're grandparents, whatever stage they're in, whatever season of life they're in, God, would you be their help? God, as they come to you for help, would you be exactly what they need? We trust that you can. We trust that you are the God who hears our prayers and who gives us help. I look to the hills. Where did my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Thank you, God, for being our help. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand as we start?